and welcome to RSF, the revolutionary sports front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. For huge factors, for kicks to the leg. Five, four, three, two, one, go. What's going on, guys? Happy Monday, episode 38 of the Revolutionary Sports Front. It is 7 o'clock in the east, 4 o'clock in the west. Tony Preston to my left, Jerry Preston to my right, <laughs> Joe Krasik from Seattle, as always, what, what? via Skype. And, um... Look, guys, it's been two weeks. We got some catching up to do, so we're going to dive right in. Um, two weeks to the day, just about uh, 15 days since the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, occurred. And um, we all know what happened. If you follow sports and you follow the show, you know what happened. Uh, the game ended in, in pretty dramatic fashion, and the, and the Patriots win again. Tom Brady, the GOAT. We know the narrative. But there are a couple things that we want to dive into uh, as a show that we thought might appeal to, to the listeners. So first of all, we kind of touched on Brady being the best quarterback ever if he wins this. But was this the best Super Bowl ever? Um, was this a Falcons collapse or a Patriots rally or both? And you can't just cop out and say both because that's the easy answer. So if you're going to say both, you have to say which was it more of. So was it a collapse by the Falcons and it, just a total disaster? Was it a, a triumphant rally by the all-loved Patriots that everyone raves about? Or was it both? And if so, why and how and what was it more of? So that's a segment right there, and we're going to dive right in. Super Bowl, was it, uh, who wants to start? Answer all the questions. I'll start. I mean, I wouldn't say it was the greatest Super Bowl ever. I definitely think there are some better ones, like the Cardinals-Steelers ones, because the first half of this one was really one-sided. But I think the Patriots made a great comeback. I don't really think Atlanta collapsed too much. There's a few moments that were a collapse, such as the trying to pass play and getting sacked. But for the most part, they were looked like they were playing it smart when they were up by 25 points. And it was just the I, Patriots could smart, not miss. a little bit of a stretch when you run it four times in the second half. Well, let's rap about it. I mean, it's hard for me. I'm, I haven't even gone yet. I'll go when it's my turn to go. But it's hard for me to say it wasn't a big class when you have that big of a lead and you blow it. But there are factors and variables that go into it. So, I mean, you got to Yeah, but you also got to look at the fact that New England was not playing well in the first half. And they turned it around in the second half. And that's why they were able to erase a 25-point well, no deficit. Tony. Well, to me, that's what makes the game so so great is because that first half was so lopsided. If the first half wasn't so lopsided, that wouldn't have made the comeback that much better. That wouldn't have made the, the overtime drive that much more significant. I mean, it, it was, it, it was to the point where it was like, man, like the Patriots are really got to pull some, pull some strings here, put, you know, do something like the, the, you know, the Falcons really got to help them out too. And, and, and of course all that happened, but you're like, Oh my God, like, even the regular season, you don't really ever see a 25-point comeback. I mean, that is, that is unreal, you know, especially in the, in the NFL where you don't get clock stoppages on first downs. The, the clock runs, uh, you know, at cheetah pace. So it's like, you know, the, the, the comebacks are, are usually pretty improbable. Yeah, that's part of the reason why, like, I it's definitely the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history because no teams come back from, like, 15 points or something like that. But this is, I don't even it think it's 10. close. It was 10 points. 10 points was the biggest comeback? Damn. Yeah, that was okay, the record. So. And wasn't it the only one to ever go to overtime? Yeah, it's the first time it went to overtime, so that's right. why people call it great. But I, personally, for me, great games have to be close, like throughout, like going back and forth. Or one team's maintaining a lead, and it's like they're like they're up seven to three, then they're up, you know, ten to six, then it's like seventeen thirteen. You know, that's what uh, I would consider a great game. For example, the Cardinals Steelers. I think both of the uh, the last three Patriots ones I would say were better games, even though it was fourteen to seven versus the Giants. That game had a real tough feel throughout. This one was just a tale of two halves, much as a tale of two cities. I don't think that's a great book, and I don't think this was really that great of a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, first half was Atlanta. They were up 25 points with 18 minutes left, and they absolutely shit the bed. And, yeah, Brady had a great second half, and I would argue he probably deflated the balls at halftime, but... Okay. You know, well, in 18 minutes of football, I could call the offensive plays to win that game, and I, I'm, I'm not um, nearly Jerry, as smart as they're supposed to be. I think you're missing your tinfoil hat right now. 
Okay, either way, Atlanta, all you have to do is run on a third down and punt instead of giving them a quick touchdown. And then when you're on their 20, even after these mistakes, three fullback dives, three quarterback knees, and the Patriots have scored 11 points in three minutes with no timeouts. It's yeah, but at it. the same time, I mean, the Patriots came back from being 25 points down. Which is why you have to give credit to the Patriots, I think. Yeah, there's a little bit of credit, but if the because, Falcons weren't just total idiots, it would never happen. I mean, happen. Edelman doesn't make that ridiculous catch, and if their receivers dropped the ball like they did in the first half, they wouldn't have been able to make the comeback. Okay, let me dive in for a minute, then we'll get to the... You guys are going to have to answer the question. Right now, you're at the both, which was considered a cop-out, so we'll have to take a stance I, on I, Okay, I'm not saying both. I'm saying the Falcons blew it, for sure. Okay. And close. I said the Patriots made a comeback. Okay. So I look at it from this. There's, I think when it comes to football, and especially so Super Bowls, you can look at a fan being uh, the modern kind of guy, which I consider myself, or the historian. And I don't claim to be a Super Bowl novelist. But to the point of the first question, was it the best ever? I think that you got to take it. Journalist, journalist? Novelist. Like, you know, the guys, okay, there's the guy that listens to the show. There's, I guarantee there's some of them that are like, oh, I remember back in Super Bowl 9 and 10 or 11. There's that guy. I'm not one of those guys. First of all, I wasn't there. And second of all, I'm just not, I don't look at history that much and all the time. I'm more, I look at the future and the modern present. But what I'm saying is, I think you have to take into account who played. And even though it was a tremendous game, went to overtime, biggest comeback, all that, I, I think that it takes a little bit away that it was Atlanta. No offense, they had a great year, and they put up a hell of an effort, but it wasn't a Pittsburgh, it wasn't a Green Bay, it wasn't a Dallas. I think that Atlanta being a part of the game takes away from that a little bit. It's actually an oddly good point, Frank. I haven't even thought about and, that uh, right now. I like you know, that. And uh, the Patriots winning makes it makes it a little bit better, but I think the demographic-wise, I think that you know nationally it would have been better if it was somebody a little bit more known. But... Um, you know, I do have to take a stance, and I think that uh, it was both, but more uh, more of a rally by the Patriots. Um, you know, f- first them to put uh, – you mentioned some of the points, Gerard. Uh, the Falcons were put into some spots to where they could have kicked a field goal, but something had to either strike fear. And I know they popped – what did they pop? A coordinator or something. Their coordinator is going to coach the 49ers. So for some reason, they decided to dial up that play to, to make those passes – and um, it has to speak a little bit to that defense the Patriots that were packing. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's Kyle Shanahan. He's known as an arrogant asshole. That's like his thing. That's like his mantra that he's like he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, just like his pops. That's like. Well, I'm going to go with the rally by the Patriots over the collapse by the Falcons, even though I don't know how you go into a game of that magnitude and go into the stage that big and lose. As much as I want to say it was a collapse, I think that you have to give credit to the team that actually put up the points. To go into a halftime down that much it's one thing to be up because you can take your foot off the gas pedal but to be down that much and say look guys we're not out of it we're not doing this we've been here before some of them have some of them haven't i think to to not lose your eye on the prize and come out and and put together a rally like that i think it oversteps a collapse i actually kind of i don't agree with what you're saying because i just think it's more of a falcons class but that is a good point because most teams would have just given up at halftime so yeah also the patriots i mean they had to basically play perfect football in the second half but they didn't play perfect football. They called the stupid onside kick that led to the Falcons' touch. All the Falcons had to do was run the ball. They just literally had to run the ball. They well, hindsight's 2020, with... Gerard. And that isn't hindsight. That's football 101. You're up 25 with 18 minutes left to play. You can take a guaranteed six minutes off the clock with them getting the ball three times. So that means they have to score all their touchdowns in 12 minutes. So it wasn't. I mean, the... could, you, could you argue, though, that that's part of the Patriots' game? Is just their, no matter what you do to them, they're just steady. They're ice cold. They're 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 calm and collected, and it kind of forces you to make some some rash decisions. I mean, in a way, Kyle Shanahan was probably thinking like, man, I mean, these guys will not fucking quit. We gotta we gotta get more than just a you That's know a field saying. goal here to put them away. Like we gotta we gotta run the clock out, and then hopefully was... last minute you know go go for the field goal. I mean, there had to be something some kind of some type of tendency in his booth, other than being a cocky asshole that that he was going with and and. At that point in the game, they had to have been like, okay, we had to run this play to, to put these fucking guys away. Sounds like me and Joe are dancing to the same tune a little bit. Kyle Shanahan, I mean, it's not like, like the Patriots like I, game I'm not scared. That's, wrong. Who, that's who Kyle Shanahan is as a coordinator. That's who he's always been. And that's why he didn't succeed as a head coach. And he's probably not going to succeed as the 49ers. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Well, so did Jim Kelly. And, and he saw how he worked for the 49ers. There's no wrong I'm not, answer I'm not, here. I'm not saying Jerry's wrong either because, I mean, at the same time, I, I thought they were going to do the same thing. I'm honestly very surprised they did try to pass the ball and they, they could have ran it and then just kicked the field goal. Um, and that that's game over. But yeah. I mean, it is what it is. 
after they uh, after they after he got sacked. I mean, they, you know, then they, they got the holding call and then, and then uh, here we go. You know what I mean? The incomplete pass stops the, stops the clock and they had to punt the ball. But, uh, you know, so that, I mean, I mean, Atlanta did blow that in that, in that series there at that, that point of the game, that was a bad play call, uh, that, that was a bad penalty to take. And, and that, in that way they blew it, you know what I mean? Um, but on the other side, Edelman's got to make that catch. You know what I mean? Like, if he doesn't make that catch, we, we don't know what the next play would have been. Yeah, no, Brady could throw another pick six. That was like an inch away from being an intercept, interception. So that's what kind of like adds to the this being the greatest game. Because that wasn't even a good throw, and it was a miraculous catch, but that literally should have been picked. Well, that's what makes yeah. this, this whole thing warranted, the, the whole topic warranted and up for discussion, is because the Falcons did collapse. The Patriots did rally, and it was a little bit of both, and that's what makes it good. So... Or do we have a consensus? I I couldn't think of a better Super Bowl, but again, I'm not. I'm more of a modern guy. I, I got to say, this one is the best I've seen in a while. That's just about as best an answer as I can give to that question. It's the best I've seen in a while, but is it the best ever? I don't know. I'm not I in a rocking chair. I think the Patriots win over the Seahawks was a better Super Bowl than this. They were okay. down ten, of the and net. I think the Steelers Cardinals was a better Super Bowl. I think than the, this. I, that's probably my favorite Super so, Bowl no. ever. Yeah, I've seen them. I, I think I honestly thought the the the, the Patriots over uh, the Rams is a better Super Bowl. Ooh, uh, maybe not than this, but school. that was a pretty damn good game. Yeah, Patriots' yeah. The first three are all are all I think yeah. better than this because of comeback and field goals to win at the end. This nobody, I mean, it's nobody definitely the greatest the comeback. Win that game but the yeah, I wouldn't say the greatest game because there were portions of the game where I was about to take Any a nap. Anytime a team chokes, you, I don't think you can put it up there. Does that? Make I did sense? take a nap. Does that make um, <laughs> sense when you're talking about a game like if one team like in basketball when the Knicks? When Reggie Miller scored those nine points or sixteen points in nine seconds, wherever eleven points. Yeah, that was just okay. Insane. Nobody says that's the greatest game of all time. They say like Reggie Miller this, but greatest the Knicks chokes, greatest moment. Yeah. see, it's stuff in like that. Career. When one team's literally choking, like a, I'm not even say it, like a whore on her first dong in her mouth or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You're sure. not gonna say it, but you said it. <laughs> well, we could have said it more graphically. All I'm saying. <laughs> Is it's not fun to watch? Okay, um, Jerry, I like what that you said because I'm gonna have to throw a, a short, a quick short story. It's about me personally, about this game in particular. No, so, seriously, there's something to be. I said. thought you were gonna talk about your first dog or something because that was the thing he said. You're like, I'm that. I gotta say something. No, I'll keep that one to myself. But uh, so, so what I'm saying here is, okay, so you, you're talking about the game. A game is better by having to go back and forth and being close the entire time. I'll give you – you can take the whole narrative of that game and sum it up to how I watched it. I watched the beginning, and I saw the onslaught by the Falcons. Literally, I watched it. I fell asleep because I had to work midnights, and I fall asleep, missed, the, missed the, all the, the bits and all the – yeah, the halftime show. So I wake up, and literally, after the, the onslaught had gone on, I wake up, and it's, it's a two-minute drill for the Patriots to tie the game, and I eventually see them win in overtime. That's not so fun. You could watch that on SportsCenter. When a game's, when a game's super close and goes, you know, it's within three points the entire game and you can't miss a moment, that's what I think would make the greatest of all time. So now that I say that, you're right. It probably isn't the greatest of all no, time. No, I, just couldn't, I couldn't think of one. A lot less crude and a lot better way to put it. If you could sum up the game in two minutes, like you didn't have to watch the whole thing. For that's the, the game was a Sports Center highlight. Yeah, yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. If, that's how they show games just, on Sports Center for any sport. You guys take the fun out of everything. What the fuck? That phrase. Uh, what would you just say? Um, you couldn't miss a Jesus minute. There was Christ. a lot of minutes in this game you could miss. There was a time where neither team was doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not. It wasn't an edge of your seat kind of thing until Brady came down and put his spurs on and his cowboy hat. I think one thing we can but also... That's what made it great. That's what I'm saying, but I, I, the greatest of all time, Joe. I'm not discrediting the game. I'm changing my stance a little bit, saying it wasn't the best ever. You just said the Rams one was better because it was close. and no Seesaw one thought on your win. way from fucking Trenton. <laughs> guys, seesaw on his way from Washington. At least I, I'm admitting it when I change my point. Shit. I'm admitting it. Deep. You think so? Well, you came to the light, my brother. Joe's out there in Seattle with Sandal States. So I don't know what's going through his head anymore. Joe's got his Panarin <laughs> jersey on. I thought we were in great tux to the wedding. I had my fucking... Panarin? I'm wearing Red Wings, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, Panarin. You're the one who loves Kane. <laughs> Okay, buddy. Why don't you move to Chicago? Well, we've digressed right. the first one. Okay, that's it. No, that's actually a. Frank talks about when he comes out to Washington. He wants to show me Patrick Kane highlights on YouTube. You're not supposed to share what we do. Well, in his private, defense, no? you guys have already whacked <laughs> off to Batsuk highlights enough. I mean, you guys are probably this is actually those images in the back of your skulls. This is a good segue because we're actually going to be talking about hockey next. Well, before we get to hockey, I just wanted to oh, say one thing. Of course, thing. you do. I think we can all agree. The Tony's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> 
that uh, what Dan Quinn wants out of his next offensive coordinator is somebody who's going to run the ball because he was the D coordinator in Seattle when they threw that interception. And then if they were to run the ball in this game, they probably would have won. We're on the street. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. We're on the street. Isn't it freaking uh, Steve Sharkeesian? Both times against the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alabama lost Lane Kiff, and then the guy they replaced him with jumped ship to go to Alabama or to go to Atlanta. Yeah, I'll give credit to VJ for when his tweet of the game and said, Well, they got Steve Sharkeesian, so he can show him how to problem drink after this one. Yeah. Because, you know, Steve that. Sharkeesian got fired for being drunk at practice. He got drunk, fired for being drunk on the sidelines during a game. Well, and he was half in the tank at team Reportedly. Meetings. I mean, allegedly, players, coffee players admitted him being people. like. Like just high and drunk as fuck at like team meetings and shit, and they just couldn't understand what he was saying. Wow. Well, I mean, he was at USC. Yeah, the rec- so, the record, yeah, the record indicated it. So, okay. So we're gonna talk about a team that I've bashed, but uh, now now that uh, current events have occurred, we have to talk about them. And I'm actually kind of excited, and I'm sure everyone else is too. So the Red Wings. Um, now we got a first. I got to preface by saying we lost a great guy. Uh, I think we all know by now. Um, we're gonna have to say rest in peach, peach. Rest in, <laughs> rest, rest in, in peach. Rest in peace. What peach. is he going to be buried in no, Atlanta? No, guys, this isn't something to laugh about. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Rest in peace to Mike Illich. Uh, he's he died. He lived a, a long life into his well into his 80s. He did a lot for Detroit sports. Did a lot for Detroit as a whole. Um, man, just growing up, it was just the name we heard, man. Little Caesars, the Red Wings, Tigers back from 92 on. Uh, man, I'm not trying to depress the audience, but it's, it's worth uh, just giving them a shout out. So we'll, we'll do that. Everyone give their own condolences to, to Mr. Illich. And, um, but we also, it also presents a greater question. I'll get it out of the way before we, before we do that. It's, uh, not only do we say rest in peace to Mike Illich, but are we saying rest in peace to the streak? Are we saying rest in peace to an era? that we all have grown up knowing as far as the Red Wings go in the organization? Are we saying rest in peace to the coach? Are we saying rest in peace in general to the Red Wings? And it's just ironic that when we have to bury uh, one of the greatest owners and our owner, um, we're also kind of burying the team for a while, it seems like. So I'll let, I'll let Joe start in honor of him being the, the hockey resident. Um, go ahead, Joe. Say what you got to say about Mr. I and uh, also what I just said about the irony in, the, in burying the team with him. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, li- listening on the radio and, and kind of reading a lot of the articles that came out about him, uh, the dude was just a genuinely good guy. Um, y- you know, and he he started the pizza business and he, he bought the Red Wings back in the 80s, um, drafted, you know, Steve Eiserman. And Steve Eiserman was kind of like uh, kind of like their their fucking golden child. You know, what I mean, uh, he, he started everything sh- shifting that team in the right direction. And, uh, and eventually, you know, they won the cup in the nineties there. And, uh, you know, eventually he, you know, I, I think he wanted to be a tiger's owner first, but he, he just couldn't buy the tigers off and no, no one would sell it to him. So he bought the Red Wings and, uh, won with them. And then the tigers eventually started winning with them. And, uh, I think the biggest thing was that, you know, guys like Lidstrom and Eisman always said it, uh, his commitment to winning, um, the, the guy just wanted to win and he cared a lot about his athletes. I think that's why he's so you saw so many guys stick around in Detroit for a long, long time, um, because the the pressure wasn't on the players to stay; it was on the GMs to make sure that they stayed. And uh, he, he loved his superstars, he loved his athletes, um, you know, and they all loved him. And uh, you, you know, he, he did a lot of great things for Detroit. You see the downtown area; a lot of that doesn't look like that now um, without him. And hopefully, when the 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 new uh, Little Caesars Arena is done. Uh, and everything's kind of nice and new around there. That that forty blocks of renovation, um, you know, it's going to start to turn the city uh, into, into something a lot better. And you know, my my dad said, uh, you know, after he died, he said that that guy probably did more for the city than any politician has in the last fifty years combined. So, uh, you know, great great owner, uh, one of the better owners in sports. Period. Uh, you know, we couldn't couldn't get him a World Series a couple times there, but you know, we did to get to see the Tigers go to two of them. And, uh, you know, it's pretty tough in baseball to win a World Series. So, uh, you know, great, great owner, great guy. Um, going to miss him. But, you know, with with with, uh, with him passing away, Gordy Howe passing away, we say see you later to the Joe this year. A lot of, a lot of goodbyes. Uh, probably the streak is going to be gone. Uh, I think it's an opportunity. Well, you know, I'll speak more on all that in a minute. But, uh, 
but it's an opportunity for a fresh new start. And I think what better than to, to do is, you know, to just to tank out the year and uh, go for that high draft pick and, and start over, you know what I mean? And, and build a new era, build, build a new, a new, uh, a new Red Wings, a new direction in a new arena and, and keep his vision uh, in perspective. Okay, well, all right, Ch- Tony, if you want, Jerry just walked away for a minute, so Tony, if you want to say one more thing, go ahead and do it about Mr. I, but I think Joe pretty much just hit the nail on the head. We don't want to depress anybody. I he mean, was, one he was thing a good that guy. has gotten kind of glossed over in all this talk about all the things he's done is, yes, in terms of a sports owner, he's probably one of the most charitable sports owners out there. But at the same time, the reason he could become a sports owner is because he didn't see he didn't see any uh, tax breaks or opportunities needs to get public funding for his works that he didn't like. I mean, yes, he's building Little Cedars Arena now. After he bought all the buildings in that area, did nothing with them and let them get blighted until the city said, "Oh yeah, you can now build a new arena there, and we're going to pay for it." I mean, this is a guy who built his empire on getting tax breaks. And you say all this stuff he's done for Detroit, but how much more could it have been done for Detroit? If he would have been paying taxes on all of his developments and paying the, in the amount where, where of where are we going with it? Are you throwing shade on him? Are you throwing shade on Mr. Preston over here? I'm just saying it's like everybody wants, yes, he did a lot of great things, but at the same time there, he could have done a lot more. This wasn't in the pre-show, people, by we, the way. Do we have a mute button for Tony right yeah, now? Are like, you do we just mute him just out? piss on no, his ashes? I'm proud of Tony right now, actually. Because you come from the same sick bloodline. Why don't you just piss all over well, his coffee? Hey, it ain't my take, bro. Just let him go. Huh? Well, I'm just saying. It's like everybody's saying, like, all this shit he did for the city. What owner doesn't do that, though? Tony, what are you talking okay, about? Not, I said among sports owners. Who's your favorite guy? Kwame Kilpatrick? No, fuck no. That guy's the most corrupt son of a bitch I've seen okay, in my lifetime. Okay, man. Like, what, what the fuck are you saying then? What I'm just saying. say something. Take a stance. Okay. He's not a fucking saint. No, don't saint. back him up. He's not. Yeah, he's playing devil's advocate here. It, it is true. I mean, if, if he was really that good of a person, he could have dropped a bill and built a stadium. Okay. Yeah, he had the money to build the stadium himself. Instead, I just hope no I, one's just going to go stand on the fucking corner of uh, Cass and when, Corridor and hand out $100 bills to everybody, man. You can't, and when he's, that's not how business uh, yeah, works. Yeah, but he's standing on this corner of Cass Corridor taking $100 bills from citizens who don't What are you the money. talking about? Give an example. What, what, what am I talking about? Detroit City Tax are going Half to build a new stadium. Half the money that's being put into that new stadium is coming from... The county. If you work in Detroit funding. or if you live in Detroit, your taxes, your city, Detroit city taxes. Where doesn't that happen, though? Or in Trenton right now, no, your taxes? I'm talking about owners what, and sports. City? San Diego just said no to it. That's why the Chargers left. But you know what happens That's why. City. You want the teams to leave I'm then? Saying, I didn't say. We wouldn't have a radio show. I said he's a fucking, fucking Mother Teresa of sports owners, but he's not a fucking saint. As a okay, human but what being. we discussed is we're going to come on here, pay homage to a great owner of our city. We didn't. Necessarily talk about Tony's fucking passion. tax rant. Yeah, you're, ju- you're just tarnishing something that is just unnecessary. But well, let's let's move on to the Red Wings since Tony already ruined the Mike Illich. All right, thing. all right. Well, let me let me just say this. Okay, so we're we're done with that. I don't know where that came from, and that's that's not at least half the show. I was take. just making a point that I mean, I know what your point was. Well, we the heard point it. sucked. It was bad. But, I um, disagree. I like the point. Okay, so we're talking about irony. So I just found it very ironic, Joe, and you can go on this. Uh, because you kind of already touched on it, and so did I. But I found it ironic that when we bury our owner, the team is getting buried. And also, if you want to talk about what's happening recently, we just played two of the best teams in the league, and we beat them. So now we see this level change. It's changing the levels, and it's a step down in the ladder. So what we've been bitching about on this show for the last, what, five, six years is that we're going to the first round, and we're getting bounced. So not only do we get a bad draft pick, we are stuck in mediocrity. Now what we're seeing is we're, we're not going to keep the streak alive. That's going to get buried with the owner and with, with the arena. But we're also not going to be that bad, and we're going to get a top-tier pick. So, again, we're stuck in me- mediocrity, but we're just not going to make the playoffs. And at some point, do you just say, I don't like to use the word tank because I never have been about that, but at some point you just kind of say, just lay down, you know, just, just chill out uh, so we can, we can do something here instead of being stuck in the middle. And uh, it just goes with the irony, man. The streak is probably going to end. We're dead last in the East, despite the two wins that I just mentioned. The era seems to be done. It's been dying for a while with these first-round exits. Uh, 
Um, it just seems pretty bad. And it just, can we just lay down and just just sink for a minute? The owner, yeah, did, I, the owner said goodbye. You know, just can't we? Yeah, I think uh, I think the big thing here is, and you know, you know Frank, you, you know, a good point of mentioning Saturday and Sunday that the Wings looked good on Saturday and Sunday. Good for them yeah, to go out did. and play two two of the better teams in the East, better teams in the league. And, uh, you know, Mrazic looked great on Sunday. Um, but, I mean, Too late. You know, the, the number one word for the entire season is inconsistency. And, uh, and sure, we looked good for these two games. But you, you saw a couple weeks ago we won two straight games, uh, Nashville and uh, Islanders, I think. Yep. And uh, then we went and lost five straight. You know what I mean? So <laughs> what, what are we going to do, you know, now that we beat the two best teams in the East? Okay, now we're going to go fucking – lose another five games you know what i mean like well i mean we'll see what happens tomorrow night but we Joe. got this mandated five five game break uh from that world cup of hockey uh business that, that created this you know absurd schedule this year but uh you know during, during that five day break you know we're we're already we're already had a few people in games played if we if we lose against the islanders then we got to sit there for five days and watch everybody else kind of you know get gain points and kind of continue to move up in the standings and it's just it just makes the mountain so much higher. I mean, even with those couple wins, we're still like six points back, and I think Toronto won again, so that puts us eight points back. Uh, yeah, but it, Joe, you know but, the Wings. They're going to go on a streak. They're going to get in like seventh or eighth pl- eighth place, be looking in a playoff spot at the trade deadline, so then they'll buy instead of sell. Well, and we only have one game to the trade to suck. deadline. Yeah, we're a no. I, that's what I'm saying. If we if we lose the Islanders, I mean that, that that's pretty much a guaranteed we, we're going to try and sell. There's just no way we're calling them out. No, I mean, do we have, we have a five day? We have a five that we're selling. day break. What? It should already be a guarantee that they're selling. Pretty much. I mean, there shouldn't be able to be a debate about whether or not to sell or buy at the trade deadline. But because it's the Wings, there is a debate. But the thing I want to say I, real quick, but Joe, before you go, I know you got a lot to say. I just want to say, but to your point about the inconsistency, I just have to mention those against Pittsburgh and Washington. Some of those goals, man. Like I, I mean, they're, they're not just like goals in front of the net where they're banging away and, and trash kind of goals. Those are some highlight reel type goals, and it just makes me sad and a little bit sick to watch these kind of things happen and just know that you left a lot out there because despite the, potential, we're not, the yeah. talent isn't quite there. We're not fu- a full developed team and that, that leads to inconsistency. But dude, some of those goals are, you know, drop passes and, and uh, just highlight real stuff, man. It yeah, just Bannock makes me had sad. A sick, he, he picked a corner on that one goal and uh, Jensen, Jensen, who, who's it? Uh, Murray in that? I think, uh, yeah, Andy Murray. Yeah, I mean, he put Murray on his fucking back and, and they made slid it, slid it across the goal line. I mean, Oh Dude, boy, that from defenseman that did that from Washington, the goalie who's been so hot as of late and a huge part of their success. They made him look silly on a few plays too, in some of those plays. So, I just yeah. I thought it was a little sad. I'm not sitting here to break down tape. We're still in dead last. I'm just saying the inconsistency is just so transparent, and those goals are badass. And when there's talent, man, it's so there. But when it's not, like you said, we're losing five in a row. So continue on with the RIP stuff. But I just had to say that some of those yeah, goals are I, amazing. <laughs> I just think the biggest thing is like, man, just just start fresh. Like we have. We, we've done we've done what we can get into the playoffs and have the streak go, but I mean the streak is going to end at some point, and you have you have some young forwards in place to to kind of already set and ready to go for you know to, as a supporting cast for a rebuild, and if you just go after get a couple top picks, and Frank you said it last show, but by 2020 we could be we kind of be back in it, um, I, you know I think we could with a with a couple good years of drafting, by that time Mantha Larkin Athanasiu. Svestikov, uh, Bertuzzi, those guys are a little bit older. They're kind of leading the way. Then we got Olette, maybe Jensen, if he if he keeps getting better on the on the blue line. Add some pieces in the draft to our blue line, and then uh, you know I mean that that summer of 2019 or 2020, we we go after a big money guy uh, that's young. He's in his prime, like 26, 27 years old. They're, they're hard to get, but I mean, when you when you have a group of young people, you know, high draft picks that and they're trending upwards. That's where guys like that want to go, you know. I mean, a new rink and and you know, just just on the up and up, you know. I mean, it's it's the longevity that people want. That's why that's why guys like Stamkos and you know don't come here. We're we're going downhill. So you want to you want to just turn it around and start climbing back uphill. And in a couple of years, when we're definitely trending upwards, that that's when the big money guys will come uh come sign with us and try to win something, you know. So yeah, I think uh, 
I think that's what we got to do, man. It's 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 how it is. It's it's, it's life. It's bittersweet, uh, you know. It's bittersweet. I think that you, you mentioned is. some nice things that are to come in the future, and it will yeah, come. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it's a little bit bitter, like I said, just seeing seeing talent go to waste and inconsistency. It's bittersweet, but you know, you lose the owner, you lose an arena. But I mean, he set up a foundation for something that could be good. So that's the sweet part, yeah, I think. And Frank, to answer your question, uh, I know you mentioned R.I.P. Uh, to the coach. Yeah, man, I know you wanted I, to dive in on this, so yeah. So some some things with the coaching, man. I I think here, I mean, power plays in dead last. Three. We, we've been shut out eight times this year. Um, we're terrible at home, man. Some of that stuff is coaching, you know. Like for Christ's sakes, the the power play with some of the guys we have on this team, you, you got an extra guy in the ice. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, like you know. And I, I, I try to use like the Ovechkin thing as an example. The guy just sits on the on the left circle and shoots the puck, and that's all their power play is. I mean, come on. Like we, we got to find something simple or, or or like some trickery or something to catch people off guard or, or whatever. Like whether you simplify it or get creative, they they haven't been able to do it, and uh, and that's unexcusable. And to to get shut out eight times, I mean that I don't know what the record is, man, but we might be pushing it. Uh, there was a time when that would only happen. Maybe it would be rare if it happened once or twice back in the day. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Like there, there's games. You just get the damn thing on net. You know what I mean? These guys, like Dipsy and doodle and shit. Like, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of it, it's got it, it, to me. It's coaching. Well, and it, it's uh, also coaching when you look it, it. disappointed me. I think it was before the Washington game. That was the two o'clock game. Yeah. It was before the Washington game. I'm looking at the records and I see Washington sitting there at like 39, 11, and six, and I'm like, "Wow, that, that looks familiar." Like we used to be, and then I just look at the Red Wings record. And I think at the time it might be 24 and 25 and 10 now, but I think it was 22, 25, and 10. And I'm like, "Damn!" Just seeing the Red Wings below. I, I know it's been like that all season consistently, pretty much, but just seeing them below 500 like that, and I see the Blue Jackets up there at like 79 points, and it just—I mean, that's coaching, man. That's just—that's just a, a just a yeah. bad look. It's just a bad yeah, look. And I, I mean, as a fan, uh, old school fan, an uh, old OG. I, yeah, and I know, I know a guy like Erickson's not everyone's favorite, but he's done for the year. Uh, but uh, he, he is a big body in the penalty kill. He's done. He's out. You know, Nyquist got suspended. There, there's some regulars in the lineup that are getting, uh, they're losing time now. Mike Mike Green was a little ill this weekend. Um, it like it, it's just not the cards, man. Like you just got to you just got to deal with it. So. I think it's time that we just kind of uh, pack it up. You know, we got a good staff. We got good people in the front office. If they would just shift their focus in the right direction, they could probably do some great things. They they just have to flip that whiteboard and say, all right, this is the way we're going. We're, we're breaking it down. We're starting over. There's, here's the top three draft picks. We want these guys. And here's here's what we can do to try to get there. And I, I know you hate tanking, Frank. I, I, I hate it too. I think it's pretty unsportsmanlike to, to lose call, on purpose. Just laying Pittsburgh, down, Pittsburgh did it to get Mary Lemieux. So that's why I hate Pittsburgh. Uh, but you know, I mean like, well, I'm not saying purposely lose. I'm saying sell off some of the better players we have. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what so I'm saying the, too. The young guys get experience. Who knows? A few years ago, yeah. we had so many injuries. We threw all the young guys in. And we thought we weren't going to make the playoffs. So they can try and as hard as they by, want. And then their trial by fire, win. they still managed to make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Sell the good guys. That way, they, the, the guys that are left this season can just bust their ass and try hard and just not win. Yeah. Give them a trial by fire. They get used to an NHL game. So that way, if we get a top pick, then they're coming in with guys who are have a little bit of experience. And it can therefore then help the team progress. Well, that's the plan. And one more thing I wanted to get off because we can't do this segment without covering this real quick and getting Joe's take on it because there are a lot of diehard Red Wings fans out there. So to the point of coaching, um, Joe, what what do you think about Nike was popping the guy in the face? Does that show frustration just or him being just a knucklehead in general? Or is that something to do with coaching and be, just being frustrated and built up? Or was that just a random act of dumbass? So if you're if you're asking Joe Krauslick, Joe Krauslick, like me on an everyday basis, uh, good for him, man. I'm glad he I'm glad he fucked that dude up. Carve him up, man. Cross checking you in the was, back, bitch. Iowa. Uh, that was a cheap one. I don't know. But, uh, you know me, that's bro. Old-time I'm hockey, bro. I I'm mean, down with I mean, horse dude, collars and all that kind of stuff, but that was pretty bad, man. I don't know what that was. You that, have especially to keep from a guy like composure, though. Especially from a guy like Nyquist. I mean, I I never thought Nyquist yeah. would be the kind of guy to pop. Yeah, uh, yeah. so like I said, now you want to ask Joe Krasik on RSF. 
Uh, yeah, man, that was pretty dirty. Uh, his suspension was definitely warranted. Uh, he got lucky with that though, suspension. What did he get, five? He got six he games. Got six, I so. thought he was going to get at least 10 to 20. Yeah, I thought you guys were getting carried away with the season thing, and I knew that wasn't going to be Dude, the cut wasn't that bad. The guy played in the game, man. Bro, yeah, you took a stick and hit someone in the face with it, man. Yeah, and it was I don't clearly think you meant to hit him in the face. I think you meant to hit him he with the stick. He was looking directly maybe. at him when he did it. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at like Nyquist's reaction after it happened, though. He's like, Jock, God damn it, man. Like, what did I just do? So, yeah, it, it is not like him to do that. And you know, I think the guy's just been getting. You know, I've been saying all the time, like he, he can't he can't battle in the corners, and you see him get beat up in the corners all the time. And a guy came up, cross checked him a few times in the back, and I think that was the tipping point. You know, what I mean, like it's his frustration know. with sucking, basically. So that was saying. him as an individual more than as opposed to team discipline and stuff like that. That was more of just a yeah. I, I think that was sporadic, just like just just sick of taking shit in the corners, man. And and like I, you know, I don't think he really. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't think he took the time running it through his mind. Like, hey, this is a bad idea. Right. I think he just reacted. And I really honestly think he's probably trying to, like, get him right across the chest or something or give him a good jab to the, the you know, the ribs. Maybe. And it just kind of, like, went a little higher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I seriously don't think Nyquist, the player, was like, you know what? I'm going to take the toe of my blade and shove it up this guy's eye. As much as uh, I love that excuse and I love to believe that – I love that. First of all, I love that excuse. Oh, I meant to hit him in the chest. But for guys that are so good with their sticks and so good with the puck, it's just hard for me to truly buy. If I'm asking my true self, hard for me to buy that he wasn't aiming for where he, where his stick went. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was one of those. You know, he hasn't been playing great. The team's not doing well. He snapped. He snapped. Real yeah, quick. And the frustration. Yeah, he got caught in the moment, and then once he saw what he did, he was like, "Oh shit, I'm about to get suspended." Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not you the know? end of the world. He got five and games. It's one of those I just wanted where... to touch. It. I just wanted to touch upon it. It's not an but, excuse to do that ever. It's just you understand Kids, why. don't try this at home. Yeah, yeah don't try it but at home. But, I mean, it's hockey. Me, it's going to happen. To, to me, though, too, it's like one of those things where, okay, that, that was kind of like a reaction, like, like, you know, like a split-second reaction. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to fuck this guy uh, up in the face real quick or, or whatever. But uh, I, I, got, I got to keep going back to this, man. That Marshan knee to knee, to knee on Cronwall. And no oh, yeah. suspension Mar- on that. Martians that that blows my mind. He, he went across year. the ice, and that was a planned thing. That wasn't a reaction. That he went across the ice and knew exactly what the hell he was doing. Took out Cronwell's knee. Everybody in the league knows Cronwell playing on a bad knee this year, and uh, and, and he gets a slap on the wrist and basically an equivalent to a hundred dollar fine of what, about what. Me and you guys make. Yeah, and then like a week uh, later, he slew footed a guy. I mean, Marshan's dirty as shit. Yeah, and then you have guys like Shea Weber oh. back in the day just slamming the head, Zedberg's head off the glass like a. How, like a boxer in a freaking one of those speed bags. You know what it's, I mean? Okay, not, here's not my thing. At all. NHL player safety is a fucking joke. They suspend guys for ridiculous lengths of time for minor hits. But then when you see something major, they're like, oh, just a fine. That, that guy doesn't need to be yeah. suspended. And look at the oh, guy funny. like Marshan. Totally... He's like one of the top scorers on Boston. So they know it's really going to hurt Boston if he's it's, suspended. So they just find it's him It's mostly, I think, just because there's so many diehard hockey fans that are about to hitting. They can't clean up the sports because they'll lose too many people. They're already the worst of the top big three sports, you know, ratings-wise. Yeah. So it just, it just blows my mind because, I mean, like, like Tony said, like the player safety is a joke. I mean, they, they always say, like, you know, a, a, every time they showed, like, used to show those videos of Brendan Shannon, like, oh, so-and-so is not a, 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 a multiple offender or he is or he isn't. You know what I mean? But Marshan has multiple suspensions and fines like dude he's he's got like there's at some point there's got to be something else to go with it you can't just keep giving him like re-warnings you know what i mean like okay we're gonna warn you again and the next time it's another five game suspension some bullshit thing like that like dude come on especially like, when you had cronwell suspended it, for a game seven for his hit that was no yeah yeah you just suspend cronwell for an open ice hit with no prior suspensions um and and, and it was you know what i mean like just it kills me, man. Right. We're lo- we're losing some people, so we that's that fuck fuck Marshant and then, yeah, the, the player safety is a joke. I I agree with you guys hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to go on a rabbit no, hole there, but it's fair know, enough. No, it's, it's been like weeks. That. You were bound up, man. It's, we're all a little little aggressive today, but um, yeah, man. R.I.P. Illich. Uh, you know the Red Wings. We'll see what happens, but I think it is, Joe's I don't game like against the, the Islanders. Word ironic too often, but it is pretty ironic that Illich died the year the streak dies. That's kind of. I think that's crazy. what happens and to Gordy good teams. Howe. That's what happens to good teams. I think you know, just it's just it's like a big, uh, 
big overall story. You know, I believe like in that. I believe in that stuff. It's like the Joe, Gordie Howe, and Mike Gillich, and the stri- or far big things, and the streak all going down. And the down Red Wings as a whole. <laughs> Just, but we'll see what happens in that Islanders game. We got one day to the trade deadline. We'll see. You know, we'll we'll talk yeah. about that next show. But um, so I'm gonna keep my hands off the wheel on this one because I didn't happen to know the gentleman. But let's try to keep this positive for the audience. I know it's sad. You guys lost a, a, a friend and a mentor and a coach, uh, your boy JL. And I'll just I'm gonna turn my mic off because I didn't know him. I don't. I, I respect the dead. So R.I.P. to him and the Trenton community. And they love him. And you guys go ahead and talk about that. But let's let's not make anyone cry. That's all I ask. Maybe give a positive memory or something like that. Okay. Well, I'll lead off and. Frank, please don't accuse me of throwing shade here. But, I mean, I just thought it was kind of funny because after he died on Facebook, everybody's like, I don't have a bad memory. All my memories with him are happy. And I'm like, I mean, I got a lot of memories with him where I'm suffering and I'm being pushed to my limit in practice. But it's because of memories like that that I have the memories of winning the News Herald Championship all four years I was in high school. I have the memory of swimming a minute 22 in league meet and 100 butterfly my freshman year, which is an atrocious time to swim if you don't know sometimes. But for some reason... Did you take a break and get a sandwich partway through that? Jesus, Tony. <laughs> I know, it was bad. But somehow in that, Mr. Lawrence saw something and he went, you're going to become a butterflyer. And I became a pretty decent butterflyer after that. I mean, yeah, he was a tough coach. He put us through really hard workouts. But at the end of the day, it was because it's what caused us to win and win a lot while I was there. Yeah, I remember when Mr. Lawrence said I could have my varsity letter if uh, I stopped Tony from eating pizza at the Pizza Hut buffet. And I said, Coach, you're going to have to keep that jacket because that ain't happening. Yeah. But no, he was a good guy. You ain't getting through me We kind of already did the memory thing when we found out about the ALS thing. It's just, I mean, he's a great person, a stable community. And everybody's calling him a legend. I think that's a title he very rightly deserves. Yes. And I don't, I don't think well, it was all leprechauns are legends, technically, right? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't even like winning teams that he produced. But I mean, there were some individual state competitors and state champions that swam in that pool. And I mean, talk to any of them. I, I guarantee you, they'll, they'll attribute their success to uh, to JL man and the guy. You know, I you guys only know I only swam for a year, and uh, man, that, I, I, I was awful, <laughs> awful swimmer. Uh, but by the end of the year, I, you know, I felt pretty confident. I, I mean, I could at least swim. You know, I definitely never made it up to, to you know, uh, an Eric Kinney level or, or guys like that. But, uh, man, you know, he, he definitely took the time with everybody, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got the best swimmers in lane one, and then you got the other guys like me in lane six. And, uh, you, you know, I don't think you know the difference. You know, he spent the time. And uh, when I when I kind of started my path into the service, I had, like, a cool PFT to do uh, – it was like a Navy SEAL PFT. It was kind of just a thing for fun, but there was a swim portion in it. And, uh, you know, not in high school anymore or anything. And, you know, the guy would love me come back and, and swim with the team and, and get ready for it, you know. And, uh, and and if I hadn't done that and if I hadn't worked with him and, and, and the team for for a little bit on, on my weekends or on break, um, I probably wouldn't have done good. And and, and when I when I went and did that PFT, uh, so a couple of couple of seals came up to me like, man, you, you did pretty good swimming, man. You're probably one of the best times here for, by far. And uh, and so, I mean, it, it was it was stuff like that, you know, that he would do that. It didn't it didn't, wasn't just, you know, with the swim team. But it was beyond swimming is beyond, uh, you, you know, high school. Um, he was always willing to help people out. And uh, and, you know, if you if you respected him and showed him respect, he, he'd respect you as well. Uh, so, you know, great, great guy. Um Love the dude, RIP, and uh, best wishes to his family. Yeah, Trenton. Trenton's known for just being. I mean, every town can claim that, but Trenton is truly known for uh, being really close knit. And, and when, when legends die, especially at such a young age, and we're always known for for giving homage where homage is due. So, so good for that, and rest in peace. And um, we're moving on. So I, I was going to say one other thing about JL. I mean, mess up the segues, Tony. Don't sorry, you? Jesus. Go ahead. I kind of let them do their thing. And I want to just say in like a day and age where we see coaches who are doing heinous acts and allowing their student athletes to commit heinous acts and try and cover it up. He, he, yeah. He focused on the student part of student athlete. I remember having to bring him report cards to show him. Yeah, I am getting A's and B's in my classes. And if you like had a low grade, he'd be like, why do you have low grade in that class? Because he wanted you to succeed outside of the pool as well. 
And part of the thing is, I think part of the reason you push it so hard in the pool is because it bu- helps you build that mental toughness. So when you're in college and it's finals week and you just got all these finals and you're trying to study for them all, you're just like, oh, this isn't too hard. I mean, I used to swim 10,000 yards a day over Christmas break. And I mean, that's yeah. one thing is he didn't just create great, great athletes. He created great people. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was against shower football, however. <laughs> well, that was kind of dumb. He was not and, uh... pro shower football. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he didn't like it too much when I, when I came out of the pole deck naked that one time. Yeah, he was not a big fan of horses. He, he wasn't around, thrilled about that. But did did he know you swam he... or th- showered with Michael Phelps? Did he know about that? That was before he showered with Michael <laughs> Phelps. I have never told him on. that. I should have told him that story, man. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, we did TP his house, too. He would have liked, yeah, to, know, did. He would have liked to have known that about you and Michael. But uh, anyways, guys, <laughs> that's that's good Michael stuff. Phelps. I'm glad you guys I'm glad you guys are were molded into the people you are because I, I love you guys. So good for him for doing that. So um, anyways, uh, good stuff. Uh, we covered the Super Bowl. We covered the Red Wings. Um, next week, we got some great stuff for you. Um, the last UFC card, I mean, we watched it. It wasn't the best. We've seen Silva win controversially, Holly Holm getting some shots at the bell. We'll talk about that. But we'll also talk about the, the big card coming up. We got Woodley and Wonderboy going at it again, March 4th. And Ferguson and Nurmagomedov. Yep, we got some good is that fights. Is Khabib guy? Yeah, Khabib and Nurmagomedov. Is that for the in- interim belt, isn't it? Yep. Interim belt. Interim so lightweight title. Did not even get a shot at the interim? <laughs> no. Shout it's going to be uh winner of those two facing... Uh, Connor next. Yeah, the UFC had a really that was a weak card. No offense to them, that was that was weak. Too much to break I down, get, but yes, it was. Yeah, weak. like it was weak. I get it though. But looking forward, they have some big ones coming up. We have DC Anthony Johnson after that. Then Stipe's, uh, I think, face and uh, compared to what's coming in the future, yeah, it was weak. But I, I didn't think it was too bad to watch. I, we watched. You were there. I, we watched it. It was it all right. There's just there's been a lot of really good fight cards and fights lately. So. Yeah, so we'll talk about that, and we'll make some predictions and, and stuff like that. Hopefully, we can get the show in right before, right before the the card. Also, uh, it's a little premature, but we we can't we can't hide from it now. We're NFL fanatics on this show, so we're gonna be uh, maybe teasing the combine, teasing some draft, you know, some mock drafts. We'll play around with that. Oh. It's always fun oh, to do oh, around this time. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa, what? March Madness, bro! It's coming. Yo, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe we get some. It's actually pretty far off, but yeah, it's, it's like a month f- away. We'll talk about that too. We'll lead well, God into damn it. it. <laughs> All right, it's a no, slow time no, no. in sports. No, you're, you're right, Joe. It's crazy that it's called March Madness, but I think only the first. Sometimes only the first weekend. Yeah, or it first goes two. into like April for like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it we'll starts the at the end bracket? of March. Maybe yeah, we get a booty bracket going again, or maybe this time a. a... Oh, Anastasia Astley oh. was just. I saw her picture on TMZ, so I think we kind of made her famous. I think she owes us a little shout out for her success. It's all because <laughs> of us. Who else would? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, I need one word, bro. It's your responsibility, Jerry. You got to get that booty bracket going again, boy. Booty bracket part two, <laughs> mind the gap, all that stuff. Do you want to uh, do like swimsuit models or some different booty bracket than like female athletes? Just best butts in the world or something? I think we should keep it sports related. Yeah, we'll keep it There's athletes. been some upcoming stars. There's this volleyball player. Bro, that's a lot about. of research on ass. Though. No, I got well, I got a couple prospects. I, I've been doing my, doing my thing. Oh, was that Pros- going to kill you, Gerard? To look at some, some booty? Yeah, is that the worst thing in the world? <laughs> Let's just say it was yeah, why you get like muscle Jesus, cramps. Man. You know what I'm saying? nails on a chalkboard like, for you? Or? Dig holes or anything. No, like, it's God. research, man. <laughs> no, there's a, there's this Brazilian chick that pl- plays volleyball. I'm going to leave her name as a, as a mystery until we bring out the bracket. But I got a couple uh, <laughs> couple dark horses in, in this one. So um, we got that. <laughs> Um, I kind of thought that was a one-off novelty thing. We didn't have to do it again. What, do you want to make a titty bracket? Nah, dude, everybody's got It's got to be a bro. booty yeah, bracket. It's nah. got to be, uh, what do you call it, alliteration? It's got to be with a B. So booty, booty bracket. Booty. We got some booty funny drops from that, from that too. Why couldn't that just be a novelty one-off and I don't know. Do you not want to see booty, Tony? What do you want to see? Why don't we do best food to eat off the opposite Dick bracket? sex's ass? <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, so that's what, that's what's here to come. The UFC uh, uh, fighting and fighting and booty, fighting and booty to come. Yeah, we could do like a sports bracket since we're a sports show. Tony, what? Uh, how what does you UFC fight? I got to turn, 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 turn his mic off. Turn his mic. But they go uh, hand in hand until he pays the bills. So that's the that's it. Any last thoughts before we pay the bills and turn Tony's mic back on? Um, sorry if you heard me sneezing or coughing this episode. I uh, faked a sick day last week, and Karma got me. And now he's and, actually uh, sick. Now I'm actually sick. Is pretty much I've been in a long time. So we're trying to get through this one. If I go down two, 
I'll go down with the Red Wings. I think I'm going to make it, but we don't know. This could be the big one. Maybe you should have uh, not faked a sick day. I mean, come on. I was all pumped to go last week, and then you faked a sick day. Oh, are you fucking serious? That was fake? That was fake. I told you <laughs> it was fake. It wasn't, like, it wasn't <laughs> fake. I just didn't feel like doing the show. Like I didn't feel like didn't I was at 100%. Know it was fake. Jerry didn't want to wake up at 11, not oh not God. 8, not 9, Damn. not 10, 11 o'clock on a Sunday to do the show, but... That's okay, and I just my last thought is uh, to the audience and the listeners out there. We love you, um, but and again, sorry, sorry about the uh, the two week gap. Um, we don't we try to avoid those. It's Jerry's fault. He yeah, admitted we, it. We try to avoid. You just heard why for this Pad. one, but we try to avoid those as much as possible. We'll be back next Pussy week. Ass bitch. Hopefully uh, <laughs> next Monday. Well, why'd you fly across your little stupid Rocky Mountains and come stand to my face? I'll be there March 10th, motherfucker. You know it, too. Trump. Oh, it's going down. Okay. Um, Joe, I wouldn't want to ruin your career in the service, but... It's almost over. <laughs> These fists don't run, motherfucker. One name, sure, sure one name Rita. You might fake sick again. <laughs> All right, Tony, why don't you pay the bills? You just got called out, Gerard. I love you, Gerard. I'm just kidding. Man. I'll beat your arm off and beat you to death with it. <laughs> and then I'll beat your dead body off. All right. Let's end, whack, whack, whack let's end professionally. End Why? professionally. Go play video games, Gerard. Pay the, pay the bills. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for listening to another episode. Why don't you move to Chicago? Uh, also, one thing I think we are probably going to do coming up in one of these episodes where we have a slow news cycle is probably just kind of do a reminisce about the year we've been doing this. Kind of get first the first I heard of that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, my votes no. <laughs> just keep, keep going, Tony. Just stick wow, to the script. Guys, thanks. Stick to the script. We have no script for the show. That's the whole the point. The bills, Tony. Pay the bills so we can pay the mortgage and the rent. <laughs> All right. So you can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash RSF podcast. Facebook at facebook.com slash revolutionary sports front. Uh, our website's revolutionary sports front.com. You can email the show directly at revolutionary sports front at gmail.com. Also, please uh, uh, download you can download the show and also rate us on iTunes and Snitcher. And thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of the sports revolution. Adios, amigos!